You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that Well, we did have a wonderful week. As Deacon Michael said, we spent 24 hours in a car together, about 10 minutes of silence in that 24 hours, and, and we're still talking to each other, so it's all good. <laughs> um, but it, it was, um, it's an, a, a very different kind of retreat experience. I counted them between services, nine worship services in 48 hours. Fantastic preaching, good pastoral conversation, and when you're not doing that, you're in class and learning. We had Mickey Maddox, one of the top Reformation professors um, in the world, one of the top Luther scholars in the world, was there to give us three lectures on what was going on in Wittenberg as Luther was nailing a sign to the door. And um, we, we learned an awful lot. Uh, all those things were wonderful and they will bear fruit in our ministries here. But something else I love there is the opportunity to see colleagues and particularly mentors who've been important to me over the years that I only see once a year at this meeting. Um, and some of them, the, our lives are beginning to change. And whereas they min, ministered to me when I was a student pastor, now they're beginning to have health and issues that are related to aging and I'm getting a chance to minister to them in turn. And so... Um, a blessing that way. One of the things that that Michael could not re- recognize, though, because it was his first retreat, were the faces who weren't there. People who I knew who I was expecting to see and did not get to see. One of them was a Roman Catholic priest. He, uh, it's a Lutheran gathering, but occasionally we'll have other people hop in with us and just kind of ride shotgun. And um, we had a, we had an Episcopal seminary in this time too. She was uh, she was like. Anyway, um, and uh, this priest was not with us. Um, he usually was there, and I was surprised, so I asked about him. And uh, it turned out that he was on leave um, from call uh, because he had been struggling with a personal moral issue. Um, like, you probably know better statistics than I do about this, Pastor Hirschman. Um, but I, I've heard that roughly 20% of Americans with the rise of the Internet are now addicted to Internet pornography and even 10% of pastors. Um, and so he was struggling with this issue. Now, we've, with everything going on in the news, um, he was not soliciting children. The, his temptation was more traditional. Um, he never approached another person. This was simply in the privacy of his office with his computer, but he knew he had a problem. So he went to his bishop and said, I need help. Um, and his bishop said, well, you know, given what's going on in the world and what's going on in the news, you know there's no possible way I can ever let you go back to a church. And he said, yeah, I know. But I still need this help. <clears throat> he gave up 30 years of ministry to get his mind and his heart right with God. This is an example of what Jesus is talking about in today's gospel reading. 
is better for him to enter the kingdom of God lame than to enter with two eyes and with two eyes not enter at all. Very difficult. And we understand this. Jesus uses very concrete examples. And we understand this so easily, this principle, when it comes to what the church has historically called the sins of the flesh. Okay? Greed, lust, and, you know, sloth. You know, if, if you're struggling with sloth, get off your butt and work. <laughs> if you're struggling with greed, reduce your expenditures over here so you can be generous to people over here with the riches you have. With lust, we pull back and find a new channel for that energy. But it's harder. What about what, about what the church used to call the spiritual sins? What about, what about pride? What about wrath? What about envy? How do you cut that off and get rid of it? Because that's in your heart. It may never show on the outside. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I promised this congregation to be transparent and share my own struggles because we're all in this together. And so I want to share with you an experience I had of trying to conquer some of the and cut off some of those spiritual sins in my life. Um, we got back from Chicago, and yesterday morning I was invited by a congregation member to meet with them in a restaurant. And I was not looking forward to it. Not because of the congregation member. I was looking forward to spending time with them, but because they chose the restaurant, and that restaurant is a favorite haunt of a former friend with whom I've had a falling out. And as I was doing my morning prayer and getting ready to go to breakfast, um, I, here's what I found. Maybe you had, had this happen to you. You ever have, one, ever have like in your mind... 15 different possible conversations with somebody you might run into? Did you ever do that? Well, if, he's, if I see him and he says this, I'm going to say this in return. And Oh, what if I see him and he decides to ignore me? Do I, what do I do then if uh, we run into each other by accident in the, by, the, by the checkout counter or in the parking lot? I mean, all this stuff was going through my mind. And here's what I realized. I wasn't praying. <laughs> I couldn't pray. Those thoughts were dominating my mind. And so I said, God, I need help. I'm not, uh, I'm not hearing you. I'm not getting through. I can't even talk to you right now. These things are dominating me. Help me figure this out. And for an hour, I spent time in prayer and thought over that situation. And here's what I came to realize. Every one of those possible conversations was caused by me wanting to prove something to this person. It was my pride, my desire to be right and make sure he knew he was wrong. <laughs> or, and there's a, there's a little wrath in there too, I really thought I was right. And I'd like him to pay for it. <laughs> and I thought through again and again, Lord, help me with this thing. And I finally came around to realize this, that the only safe answer I could ever give him whenever I see him again in that restaurant or someplace else is one that indicted both of us and put us both at the feet of Christ. Because see, what I was trying to do was justify myself. Let me be clear about that. If you're trying to justify yourself, that is the opposite of justification by grace through faith. 
Christ justifies us. We don't justify ourselves. And when I stand before Christ, in my pride, I think I'm gonna, we're going to go over this situation and he's going to say, you were right, he was wrong. But what happens when he looks at me and says, ha, you were wrong. <laughs> Am I willing to take that judgment from my Lord? Because if I'm not, that's the hand I don't want to throw away. That's the eye that's going to keep me out of the kingdom. I have to accept my Lord's judgment. And I'm guessing when he sits the two of us down in glory, it's going to be like, let me tell you how you were both wrong. <laughs> but accepting our Lord's judgment, cutting off our pride, in my case, my pride and my wrath, and setting them aside and saying, Lord, I believe what you say and I'm not going to hold on to these things that I think are so important to me. Accepting his judgment also lets me accept His grace. Because whenever our Lord judges us, we also hear the words of forgiveness with them. Yes, you sinned. And yes, I came to forgive you. Let go of the thing you're holding on to so you can accept what I'm giving. One of the most heartbreaking sentences I ever read in my life um, was by a theologian named Callistos Ware, and he said... The problem with hell is that the gates are locked on the inside. And I knew that. Because in that moment, I couldn't talk to God. Because my pride and my wrath were in the way. As soon as I let them go, communication was restored. <laughs> we're not saved by our works, but we can let go of things we're holding on to so His grace can flow in us and through us. And we can be saved. I was going to close with another story, but um, the Lord gave this one to me this morning as I came into church. Um, if you look in the front of your green book on pages 10 and 11, there's a list of saints' days. These are days we celebrate. They're always celebrated on the day somebody fell asleep in the Lord. Okay, someone, someone died. Well, today is Jerome's day. Jerome's, Jerome the translator. Um, Jerome is very famous in church history because um, he translated the Bible into the common language of the Roman Empire, which was Latin. Okay? Um, same thing Luther would do 1,100 years later translating the Bible into German. <laughs> the translation he provided was called the Vulgate. It was the standard Bible for all Christians for a thousand years. 1,100 years, really. Our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters still use it. Everyone knows, if you know church history, how important Jerome was, but most of us don't know why he got into translating. At the beginning of my sermon, I mentioned a priest who uh, was struggling with that sin of lust and pornography. In the ancient world, you didn't, you didn't do that from the privacy of your laptop computer. You had to go to the place it was happening. Uh, and Rome was full of it. And when, um, when Jerome came to faith in Christ, he came to realize that was a struggle for him. In his own words, I needed to escape the dancing girls of Rome. <laughs> So he set out. And he tried to hold back by main force of will. And um, 
that temptation kept sucking him back in. So he said, Lord, I need a job. Give me something to do. So he started to learn Hebrew and Greek. Until eventually, his way of not going to the dance halls with the dancing girls was to translate passages of Scripture. (laughs) And the Lord used that commitment on his part to let go of this thing that was holding back from the kingdom not only to emancipate his soul because he had been a slave to that lust. The Lord gave him freedom through it, but he also gave the church a tremendous gift in a translation of the Bible that everyone could read. What gift can the Lord give us when we let go of whatever is holding us back from our relationship with him? What gift can he give the church and the people around us through us? We can't know until we cut off that hand, cut off that foot, pluck out that eye, whatever it is that's holding us back. And resolve that if we have to walk with a limp into the kingdom of heaven, that's what we're going to do. But that by God's grace, He can use our limp better than He could ever use our wellness. You join me for a word of prayer. Lord God, each of us holds on to things so tightly, things we think are important to us. Some of those things are material and we can point at them. Some of those things are deeper and harder for us even to see in ourselves. But Lord, you came to free us from our slavery to those things. Help us to let them go. Not so that we can by our works earn your merit and favor, but rather so that there's room in our lives for you to do the things you wish to accomplish in us, to help us grow more and more like our Lord and Savior Jesus, more full of grace and truth, love and compassion, and strength and courage. We ask these things in His blessed and holy name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best art in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.